Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Driving Mad uh, with Tom and Dan. How are you, Dan? Mate, I am excellent. How are you? Very well. We're doing a, another recording remotely. So, um, Dan, I'm currently looking at you through a computer screen as um, currently in Melbourne. How's it going? Mate, uh, we're doing great. We uh, settled in. We've been here for two weeks now already. Um, we're settled in. Uh, as expected, the drive down in the MX-5 wasn't... It wasn't fantastic, but it also wasn't awful. Um, but uh, yeah, having the uh, having the roof down, the freeway was nice. And uh, yeah, we're settled in, feeling good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too, it's been a very wet couple of weeks in Sydney. So uh, I yeah. moved into Cronulla, um, like like a block from the beach, expecting it to be all great. Walking walking on the park, going for swims every day. Not not once. Not once. The water is currently as brown as uh, uh, brown as a chocolate Easter egg melted on your fingers on Easter afternoon at four p.m. Sorry, that was Yuck. like a Clarkson thing then, but yeah, didn't work. Um, yeah. So <coughs> anyway, it's good to be back. Um, it's we're kind of trying to get these episodes out like once a month. That's what seems to be happening at the moment, which gives us enough time to have a good chat about what's going on in the industry at the moment. Um, it's been a crazy month. Um, we're in this weird time now in the car world where there's this massive juxtaposition between everything going electric and then some brands holding on to dear life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just not wanting to embrace. Exactly, to the internal combustion path, past. Um, so we've got so a couple of things we're going to discuss today. I'm just running off my cheat sheet. So we've got the Lamborghini Urus against the uh, Aston Martin DBX 707, which we, which if you're following us on Instagram, um, which is Driving Mad uh, Media, uh, just, just search that on Instagram. Um, we've been sharing a lot of content on the world's fastest SUV. Uh, we're also going to discuss the new V6 hybrid Ferrari, um, as well as a Morgan, which is kind of cool, a three-wheeled Morgan. I'm so excited for that. I know, right? So let's kick it off. Um, let's jump straight into DBX versus Urus. What are your thoughts? Well, this is not. I mean, we we both watched the video of the uh, of the the drag race, and I tell you what, it's not what you expect. You Aston Martin doesn't have a a reputation, shall we say, as being the the fast brand. It's very often the yeah. the James Bond, the British, the you know fancy schmancy. But yeah, yeah, it smoked the Urus like yeah. a couple of car lengths smoked. Yeah. It's incredible, that incredible. Was, you're so right. It's like Aston has just gotten away for the last fifteen years as just been the good looking. Um, you buy it because you feel like James Bond type car. Yeah. Like it's never in any segment that it's in been a leader in performance or no, luxury definitely not. or quality ever. So exactly when we watch this, so Carwell, which is like, a, if you're a car guy, you know what Carwell is. It's a British journalist, Matt Watson. He does this crazy stuff with them. Um, he does reviews, but like crazy drag races. When, when this video dropped, which is like the first um, public a display of the DBX 707's power. I was like, please, please be faster than Lamborghini, please. For what? So wipe the smoke off that guy's mouth. Oh, but it was so good. And and I'm just like, 
wow, it was faster from like from any parameter. Um, I think it looks so good now with the big oh, yeah. rear diffuser and the bigger grill. Um, but Lamborghini, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to bring out a faster one. They're going to bring out like a Lamborghini Urus Evo. Yeah, ultra light or super leggero Urus kind of thing. But yeah. I don't know. I've, do you think this is a turning point for Aston? Is this a one-off just to go, hey, we just we built, we kind of missed the boat on the DBX. So now we've sort of, we've been forced into making the big, the, the fastest one we possibly can. Are we going to grab some headlines and, and you know, uh, be faster than Lamborghini? Do you, or, is that it? Or have they sort of turned a corner a little bit and they're now going to focus more on performance? Who knows? Well, they've got Lawrence Stroll now heading it up. Mm. So... If you're an if you're a Formula One fan, um, even if you're new to Formula One because you've been watching Drive to Survive, by the way, if you haven't watched Drive to Survive and you're listening to this podcast, you should be watching Drive to Survive yeah. on Netflix. Um, so, <laughs> excuse me, new billionaire billionaire owner of Aston Martin Racing, also heading up Aston Martin Cars, so Aston Martin Lagonda. Um, I reckon this is a bit of his flavor because he's now got. Yeah, ex head of AMG as his CEO, um, and I reckon they're just going to start pumping them out because he's, they've got to do it. Like the DBX was supposed to be their savior. It was supposed to be the mm. car that resurrects the brand, gets rid of all of their decades of financial instability. But it was it was the wrong car. Like they had so many opportunities and so much time to make it mm. the headline car, and it's it's actually. The, the, the punchline for a lot of jokes, like the, the base one, it's like, why would you ever buy that car? Like the infotainment system's crap. It's not fast enough. It's not very well built. Um, so yeah, this is, a, this is an indication of where they're going, like at last. Yeah, bring it on, bring it on. Um, and in my opinion, it looks so much nicer than Lamborghini as well. Lamborghini yeah. is far too racer boy. Yeah. Big time. Like this is this this is the this is the this is the car that you're this this is the car that is going to go up against a Range Rover, like that kind of you know that's that like super wealthy soccer mom car. You're probably not going to get the Lamborghini because it's just too aggressive. But if you were going to get a Range Rover, you might now think about I'll step up to the DBX. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's a massive. All these SUVs are just massive. You know, uh, statements. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, I'm a bit ill. If you truly believed about performance more than anything else, you wouldn't buy any of these performance SUVs. Yeah. <laughs> at all. yeah. Like what sense does it make to have a 707 horsepower V8 twin turbo SUV if you want a performance car? Like it doesn't make any sense. All of these mm. cars are making so much money for the manufacturer, but they're just there for just to one up your neighbor like that's all it is like oh look i've got a yeah. that's even bigger than your you know than your db11 or something um but I, the problem with okay, look everyone every single youtuber out there every single car reviewer thinks the urus well, before the 707 was the best performance suv my mm. issue with it is that and i and i'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there that don't care they disagree but this is my opinion I don't like that it's a part, it's a it's a part bin share situation or whatever we call it. Like it's the same car underneath as the Bentley Bentayga 
Audi Q8, Volkswagen Touareg. Yeah. Underneath, it's the same car. Like if you hop in a Urus, the indicator stalks, the steering wheel, all of those elements, the key is a Volkswagen product. Yeah, you if you're if you're spending, I think that was it was like two hundred and ninety thousand pounds. So what's yeah. nearly half a million dollars? Yeah, yeah. More than half a million dollars, easily more than half a million Australian dollars. Mm. If you're spending that kind of money, you want a, a bespoke car. I don't want a glorified VW for north of half a million dollars. No, I completely agree. And let's say even like people's opinions on the Bentley Ventaya. And I'm like, someone said I had a podcast the other day. Um I was listening to it for inspiration, by the way. Um oh, yes. <laughs> and he was like, oh, the um, the Bentley Bentayga. Oh, it's so much better than the Rolls-Royce Cullinan because the Rolls-Royce Cullinan feels cheap. And I'm like, I've sat in both. Sure, I, no I, Rolls-Royce feels cheap, sure. That's what I mean. I'm like, the Bentley has indicator stalks from a Golf in it. And, like, yeah. I, and I'm like... I'm like, where, where, where? How does that make any sense? The Bentley is such a wank fest. Like, if you buy a Bentley Bentayga, you're literally there to say, my old, my, you know, downstairs is clearly isn't compensating. So I, I, I need a big, big ass Bentley with a huge V on the back to compensate. So everybody knows that I can afford a Bentley. Oh, it's so weird. But um, anyway. Good on you, Aston. Well done, um, Lawrence Stroll. Um, yep. I just want this to be a thing. Like, come, Aston needs. This is where I believe they will fit. They will fit if they've done if they've done it correctly. They will go head to head with Bentley, because Bentley, if it mm. wasn't for the Rolls Royce merger in the eighties or whatever, they would have been Aston by now. Because they're always like the performance luxury. Rolls has always been. Luxury, luxury, luxury. So if Aston plays it yep. right, they should be the powerhouse brand that competes directly with, with um, Bentley. Don't worry about Ferrari. You don't have the budget for it at this stage, at least. Mm-hmm. Go head to head with Bentley. Smash them out the park. Before, Bentley- sports, true sports performance, sports luxury. Is that the yeah. segment? Is that what it's yeah. called? Or yeah. are, we, are we making that up or is that a thing? Let's run with it. Let's run with it. Yeah, sports luxury. I like it. Very good. Very exciting times for Aston. It is, it is. I, I would say it's certainly one of my favorite car brands. I've lost it after uh, buying an Aston uh, forever. So I want them to stick around. This has to make money so they can keep sticking around. Would you buy, would you buy a 707? Uh, only if it was uh, next, uh, next to like my DB11 or my DBS. I wouldn't buy it first. You'd buy a DB11? No, no, no. Uh, probably a DBS or like realistically a V8 Vantage from like the 2007, 2008, something like that. As like a you know actually achievable car, hundred grand ish kind of thing, yeah. not you know half a million dollars kind of ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. One day. You know they're not that. You know you're exactly right. They're not that expensive anymore. No, it's not crazy. No, the 2005, 2004, yeah. looks awful like they look really really dated now but that 2007 shape is it still looks like it rolled off the factory floor yesterday to the, un, to the untrained eye it still looks brand new and it's gorgeous it's not super fast but it sounds great and you're driving an aston i mean come on see if it was my money at that age i'd buy 911 yeah okay i just i just don't i just, just for the just for the performance 
Uh, I just feel like for everything, like it's reliability, it's performance. I think they look really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I've slowly started to come around to the, uh, to the 911. Yeah. It's, I just, yeah. It's never been something that's like really lit a, lit a fire in me, but um, I don't know. Maybe as I get older, I don't know. Is there an age where you just click to liking Porsches? I, reckon I feel like I'm getting close to that age. It's a midlife crisis car for sure. Um, yeah. Hopefully my uncle isn't listening to this because he bought one. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, I think it's very, it's very German. So mm. German cars, I feel, innately can be quite soulless. They can be very like precise. And Porsches are yep. very precise. Like if you buy a new 911, like the brand new one, uh, I think it's the 992. I forget. Anyway, the new 911, like a GT product or something. They're so good. Like they're so good that a lot of people are saying they're soulless because they're so good. It's like modern day Ferraris. They're so technical, so fast and so precise. They're not actually fun. They're just mm. like like precision machines now because they've gotten to a point of engineering where there's like, you know, they've gone for that goal and all the character that you have from a car that's slightly flawed is gone. Like an Aston, for mm. example, from that era that you're interested in would have a soul. It would, it would, you know, it would pop bang crackle it would understeer a little bit too more there would be like little elements of it that wouldn't work which gives it personality but um you know like i said modern day ferraris mclarens things like that kind of soulless i feel i mean i haven't had too mm. much experience with them but mm. uh i remember um, a friend of mine uh, owns an old ferrari and uh very much anything that goes wrong it's like oh it's not a bug it's a feature it's meant to be like that <laughs> gives a character yeah. Do you know what does yep. he have? Do you know what he has? I will find out for next episode. I can't remember. Um, actually, talking about Ferrari, big Ferrari yep. has just been launched. Mm. The 296 GTB. What do we yep. think? Oh. Uh, so as soon as I saw V6 hybrid, so I'm not one of these people that's like, oh no, you know, Ferrari's got to have these massive engines and super fast, all this kind of stuff. I'm more than happy to embrace a V6 hybrid because uh, we all know that you can still get crazy speed. So speed's not an issue. Um, and sound and all these kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm all about sound, but the car's still got to look good. And for me, I think, I don't know what, what uh, the majority of people are going to think, but for me, I think this is going to date very quickly. I don't, I don't like it. I think, the tech, I think the engineering and the technology is incredible. Uh, what they've done with um, the like the new braking system and all that kind of stuff, fantastic. Mm. But I look at it and I go, I don't think kids are going to have this on their bedroom wall for thirty years. You know, like I just it's too. I don't know. It's almost like it's it's, it's the wrong kind of modern. It's hard to describe, but it just I don't know. It doesn't quite do it for me. Um, maybe the maybe the intakes are too big. Maybe it's maybe the nose is too wide. I don't no, know. I'm Something just, about it's not quite there. I've just got it up now. I kind of I get what you mean. Like it's it's clearly a new it's clearly a new design language that's kind of followed mm. on from the um uh, uh the uh, SF ninety. Um, it's I don't. There's something odd about it. 
you're completely right. Like this, it's it's not like it's not dramatic where you go. I put this. It's on sleek. Way. It's sleek for sure, yeah. but it's just like it looks weird. Like the proportions. Like if you listen, if you read the press release and if you read some of the reviews, apparently like there are all these different elements of the car that hark back to to, to traditional Ferraris. And I'm like, yeah. that's just always to me. It's a bit of like a designer's like you know. It's a bit of BS from Make, a designer. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it's impossible not to hark back to past Ferraris. It's the same company that's making it. So I don't really buy into this. Oh, like, of course, it's a Ferrari. Of course, it's going to look like other Ferraris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching a review. I think you, have you watched the review by Carfection? Yes, around the track. Yeah, that one's around the track. Yeah, highly recommend. That's a beautiful review. Like, well done. Mm. Really, really well shot. Their view on the car was that the V6 engine is phenomenal. Like yep. so powerful, amazing. The electrification of it. So this is weird. So this Ferrari can run on pure electricity. So pure can, electric. Twenty five k's, I think. Well, that's the thing. So you can drive around the city. Mm. Inside. Fantastic. So the guy was like, I forget his name. What's his? I forgot. What, sorry, I forgot what the journalist's name is. Um, but he's like, I don't know if it actually adds anything to the experience. Like having an electric Ferrari is cool, but also you bought a Ferrari, like you haven't bought a Tesla. Like Ferraris mm. are synonymous with its sound. So supposedly it's, it's that I have, we haven't had it, it's not in Australia yet, we haven't driven one, but from what we can tell, the sound of the V6 is great, but the EV element of it is kind of like a weird add-on. Like it doesn't, it, it gets electric boost to the power, but a lot of the reviews are mm. like, mm, it, you know, the, elect, the additional 100 or 200 horsepower that the electric motor provides doesn't actually step it up. Add much to the actual power of the engine, really. Yeah. So it's kind of like, they're kind of like, mm, I can kind of do without it. If anything, it just adds weight. Interesting. I, it, I can definitely see if you're driving this every day, if you're yeah. going like when you're pottering around the city yeah. to be able to turn off the engine from screaming at you all the time and just be like, all right, I would just, I imagine at some point, you get to a point where it's like, I would like a, just a break from the the rumbling behind me and just to yeah, switch yeah. over to electric for, you know, wherever. Um, I can see that happening. I, I get that, but it's also like you bought the Ferrari. Like that's the point yeah. of the car. But yeah, I mean, look, we, we know for a fact that the reason why they're doing it and why all the manufacturers need to do it is because of legislation in different countries. They're asking for ultra low yeah. emissions in cities, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, like the UK, they're trying to ban internal combustion engine cars. So they, they have to do this. Um, and I don't know, like eventually Ferrari brings out an electric car or they hybridize their entire range. I mean, this is a good opportunity for them to get a head start of practice. But I don't know. I'm just like... Let's get reps in. Well, that's the thing. They, <laughs> they're trying to muscle up now, but... Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, if it doesn't add anything to the driving driving experience, then you've just bought a V6 Ferrari, which is awesome, um, with a little <laughs> with an electric motor in it. Like, I don't, I go, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I wonder if we'll see because in the future, it then all most electric cars are going to be somewhat similar right you've got and we're already starting to see it happen where you've got your essentially like the skateboard um platform that then you just plonk a a body onto 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it like those, the lot of component sharing when it comes to electric cars. I wonder if we'll start to see like new, either like luxury brands come out or new, um, cause it, I wonder if the barrier to making a car is going to go down because it's just, I wonder if it becomes less difficult to make a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it and it, whether these brands are in trouble a little bit, because like now if you, you don't buy a Ferrari for what you would originally buy a Ferrari for. Mm. So hence why people move, uh, move across to things like Tesla and brands like this. So, I think it's be really interesting. I think it's be really, and we've spoken about it before, but I really think they they could potentially really struggle over the next kind of five to ten years. Well, supposedly the new Lamborghini V12 is going to be a hybrid. Why do you need a hybrid V12? I don't know. Hybrid V6 makes sense. We've already got twelve Vs. Why do you need a hybrid? That I, uh, <laughs> that's absurd. I don't. I, I don't understand. Also, one more question I want to ask with this. So yeah. we mentioned this in the last podcast. Ferrari has so many models, so many cars now. They have... Yeah. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> Sorry, still a bit on the well. They've got... Um, they've got the... Um, the Roma. Ten models. They've got too many cars. So I want to know, where does this fit in? Because supposedly it's not replacing the V8 um, F8 Tributo but it's the same form factor. The mid-engine layout is reserved for that yeah. car. So I'm like, where is, there are too many cars. I don't or they, in fact, it looks, I mean, it looks basically identical to the F8 Tributor, doesn't it? Yeah, so I don't get it. Like, and it's faster, I'm pretty, it's going to be faster for sure. Um, yeah. I wonder if they have to sell it, if, if there's upcoming, like with the emissions rules, like they have to offer it. Oh, I see what you mean. Who yeah, knows? true. Like they I, have to have a, uh, just yeah. could be talking to Mars here. But. Yeah. Well, I wonder also the purest saying the SUV, when it, it's going to come out really soon. Um, mm. I reckon that's going to be an electric car. I reckon there's going to be, a, there's going to be a full on EV version of that. Really? Well, you're going to treat it as an everyday car because Aston's going to do a full EV DBX, I'm pretty sure. Cause DBX. Because I think they, I think they've got a, they've got a V6 in China only. Um, and then obviously the two V8s. I think they're doing a plug-in hybrid, but they think they're probably going to do a full electric. So either the the Ferrari is going to be full electric or hybrid. That makes sense to me because again, it's a Ferrari SUV. Like you, you should be able to take that to IKEA. Like that's the point. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. But all these Ferraris look the same. I'm just going through them. The SF90 Stradale yeah, looks I identical. I don't get it's, that. It's it's just wide bonnet, stupid yeah. looking grills. Yeah. And low, yeah. like this is insane. They're all just, they're yeah. all ninety percent the same. Yeah, streamline this. What's going on? I want to know what happened. The Roma is gorgeous, though. The Roma is stunning. I just want to know what's going to happen to the used car market in a couple of years, like with these cars. Like, are any of these going to hold 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 value? Like, because Ferrari has so much equity in their brand, mm. and they they have such a weird exclusive club. Like, you have to own every single Ferrari in order to get like limited edition Ferrari. But I want to know, like, what which of these cars are just going to drop like flies? Like, I feel like, I feel like the two nine six will hold its value because it's kind of you know it's it's a performance step forward. But I feel like other yeah. things like the Roma, um, and the um, and the F eight Tributo. I don't reckon they're going to hold on. I reckon they're going to fall. It's 
so hard to know, isn't it? Like it's impossible to know what's going to become a future classic. Like you would never buy, I feel like you wouldn't buy a Ferrari, any of the current models thinking it was going to increase in value. No. unlike ones prior and like you do some of them will some of them will drop some of them will increase in value but how do you how do you know well mm. that's the thing like you look at all those classes for i mean for example oh this is an interesting one so the porsche carrera gt which was like the, the early 2000s hypercar the v10 mm. there's the one that um who's a guy from fast and furious who died in it um oh paul walker yeah so that car now i've been following the market in europe stupid money like 1.6, million euros. Like they've gone through the roof. And I'm like, the last the last Ferrari, which is like a special one, was the La Ferrari, right? Which was the hybrid V12. It wasn't really a hybrid, it just mm. electric. It was like a Formula One technology to kind of boost the engine. That makes sense. But right now, there are no Ferraris that I look at in the lineup where I go, future collectible. Like none of them. They're all just a bit ugh. Like I'm not the one that I the one that I love is the Monza, the SP2 Monza. Oh. That looks so good. Oh, with no roof? Oh. With no roof. Oh, buddy. See, see, with those uh, cars, mm. you'd get invited to buy it. Oh, yeah. You like can't you, just go and buy like one. You would have had to own every single Ferrari derivative for the last 20 years to be invited to buy it, which annoys me a bit. Like with these brands, it's like... No, that's how they make their money. I love it. I know. But you're a bit full of yourself. But anyway. Speaking of open tops. Oh yeah. See how see how I did a little segue there? I was impressed. I was impressed. Is it, I, has it, yeah. By the way, if everyone's who's listening, are you impressed? Oh, there's no way of you letting you are. I I can tell. Go on. Uh yeah, I mean, leave us a comment on uh, on Instagram. I I could tell. Um speaking of speaking of cars with open tops and no roofs, yeah. The next car oh, yeah. that we want to chat about is very special the morgan super three i mean look at it i mean obviously we've looked at it but listeners might not have just pause right now quickly go and watch the three minute launch trailer of the morgan super three okay pause we're back yeah i'll come back to the podcast because now you'll know what we're talking about um i absolutely i so i was watching this trailer and I immediately, like four seconds in, a smile just cracked across my face. Mm. And I was like, oh, I need this in my life. And it immediately started giving me ideas for like touring, like what kind of touring accessories that we could put on the MX-5. And, oh, it's just so cool. Like going camping with your three-wheeler and strapping on the accessories to the side and strapping on the swag to the back sensational it looks fantastic so it's cool. manual oh it's cool so yeah morgan's been making so if you're not familiar with morgan it's it's like one of the oldest car british car manufacturers and they mm. pride themselves so they're, they're privately owned by the morgan family i'm still pretty sure um could be wrong mm. um they just make vintage styled roadsters so their cars look like from the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. Um, it's like bug-eyed, um, two doors, two seats, cloth roof. That's about it. Um, such a cool brand. Like, oh yeah, so classy. This this Morgan um, 
three-wheeler they've been making since the very beginning. So it's literally a three-wheeled car. It's tiny. It's like a little sh- coal shuttle, like a rear wheel on the back, two like bicycle, like motorbike wheels at the front, as you can see. Um, Crazy concept, right? Oh, phenomenal. Like, as you said, the way that they've designed this new one, it's no longer a bike engine. It's now a car engine, which is great. Um, I think it's, yep. I think it's four, three or four cylinders. We've got to double check. Um, but yeah, you can... It's, three cylinder. Three cylinder, um, which is going to be an awesome little engine. Like so much um, personality to that. Um, but yeah. yeah, you can customize it to, to the nth degree. Um, they've designed these amazing accessory packs for it. I was reading a, um, I was reading, it was a, a, it was a, I think it was part of like the launch series. It was, it was a guy from Morgan and he was saying that they were, they chatted with heaps of, uh, so I didn't, I didn't know this, but apparently three wheel car touring in England is a massive thing. Really? And Pete, yeah. And people were uh, taking their old Morgans and they were basically doing DIY solutions to go, um to go touring so they were putting um not ratchet straps you know the bungee cord straps um they were like strapping bags where they can and diy luggage racks on the back and anyway so they interviewed all these people and they figured out that this is what people are using their morgans for so they just absolutely lent into it um and have like yeah and have made this as a an actual touring car you know how a lot of brands have touring cars yeah. No, this is a real touring car. Like you would take a, well, like you take a motorbike touring. Um, yeah, you strap on all the accessories onto the side and off you go. Fantastic. Driving gloves, British racing green. It just speaks to me on such a fundamental level. I it, love it. it. <laughs> it's so cool. People of Australia or wherever you are, but specifically Australia, please buy them. Um, we're not oh, yes. to buy Morgan. But I hope we want, actually, Morgan, if you're listening to this, send us over one. Um, it's, oh. it's so cool. It's, I reckon this is going to be my favorite car of the year. Yep, I can see that as well. Can you believe this as well? It has a five-speed manual transmission from none other than a Mazda MX-5. Really? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good gearbox. Yeah, uh, don't I know it. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, one and a half liter, naturally aspirated three liter engine. That is going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big fan of that one. It, um, Unless it rains, that's not going to be ideal. But if you're going to go touring, do it on a nice weekend. Thing is, as we as I've said many times in this podcast, it, most cars, like 90% of cars on the road, are very dull. They're just like mm. boardroom-designed white goods, like most cars, mm. SUV, whatever it is. This is the definition of what a car enthusiast would ever want in a car like this is it open top thrummy little engine just a full-on experience like, this is what a car should be absolutely and it even it the start stop button is one of the is like the missile style with the little uh the little like uh, oh. cover over the top of it that you click open yeah, yeah oh, it's, it's just av- got so much going for it it's all um aviation inspired which is awesome yeah it's sensational yep this is uh Sign me out. So just to, to uh, move on to the next topic, which is mm. very different. Um, introducing, finally, after nearly a decade of concepts and teasing, the Volkswagen ID Buzz. 
the buzz the buzz the electric combi of the future what do we think? i know the electric the electric bus which in german is buzz so there is you it, go is that it fun little, yeah fun fact for you oh apparently from from the top gear review that's what they said ah. um i think this is very cool yeah i think this is very cool yeah. um it looks super practical looks like there's heaps of storage in there mm. um and heaps of space charges at the back it's like it's everything that you want it to be. Um, it's quite modular too, from what I can see. Like the the center console, there's a um, like the whole tray in the center console pops out. So mm. if you don't need it for whatever reason, um, you can get rid of it. Mm. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. I um, I it's expensive though. Uh, it's like forty thousand pounds or something. So like mm. you know, anyone who's living uh, combi van life might not be buying them. But um, I hope they sell a lot of these. It's cool. And they finally made good on their promise, which is nice. I think it's essentially going to replace the transporter because I know that there's going to be like a cargo version and then there's going to be yes, like, a, saw that. Uh, like, a, like, a, like a camper version. Like, I think they call it the California or whatever it is, but it's going to be like a yeah, yep, yep. California Surfer, I think, something like something that. Something like that. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Um, you know, Volkswagen is trying to go all full electric. Um, you know, this is a good definition. It's not super fast, like seven seconds, seven, eight seconds, which is perfectly reasonable for a, for a van perfectly <laughs> reasonable um i think it looks really good i just yeah I, it looks it looks stellar doesn't it it's the right time um i just hope that it's you know it looks good when when you know people do really cool specs with it i hope people have a lot of fun with it because like the beetle the, the original combi was a was it was a you know like a stamp of a time period like it was a you know mm. it was so iconic it's up there with the mustang it's up there with the you know jaguar e-type like the combi mm. the original combi was so iconic so i hope that this is kind of the new era like i for example i wouldn't mind if volkswagen came out with the with the butt with the with the um the beetle again doing really doing electric an electric beetle. beetle well because they stuffed up the uh, they'd probably one. sell heaps of them wouldn't they uh, well they stuffed up the last one because they did like two new ones. They did one in the early 2000s, which had that little fake flower on the dash that everyone bought. Then they did one that was too heavily focused on the Golf. Um, and it sold well for like two years. Then it just dropped off. Bring it back. Match that. Imagine doing a ID Beetle and an ID Buzz. That's an awesome portfolio. Yeah. yeah. I can see that happening, sell. definitely. Who cares if they don't sell? Oh, they would sell though. Definitely. They just got to be careful about the pricing. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be too yourself. wild on it. Don't price you guys. Come on. Don't price yourself out of the mark. It's it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Incidentally, um, is that I didn't, there wasn't too much to discuss in the ID buzz, but I wanted to mention this regarding pricing. So mm. in Australia at the moment, there are two manufacturers that have decided to essentially become, <clears throat> they're no longer considered um, dealers. They're now considered like essentially the, what do they call it? It's like a, not a contractor, but essentially a Honda. So essentially Mercedes and Honda, you can no longer negotiate on car prices. It's a, it's a fixed price. A so flat price. Yeah. yeah. yeah so like Tesla, right? Exactly. So the dealership doesn't own the cars. They kind of like the representative of the brand. So Consignment? Is that the word you're looking for? That's something like that. Yeah. Um, and the, the new C-Class, which is like, the every you know every man's Mercedes. It's a great car. Um, it is around ten to fifteen grand more than it used to be, 
Um, and Mercedes sales have plummeted at the beginning of this year. Really? Plummeted. Because Is that because they don't have control over the pricing? Well, Mercedes says that Surely they due to a uh, silicon... Uh, Silicon. Oh, the old, the old chip shortage. The old chip shortage. But I'm Classic. like, mm, people aren't getting deals on cars anymore, perception of deals. Um, I think that might have something to do with it, which is yeah. a bit awkward because Mercedes has been smashing Audi and Merck for years. Uh, not so much. Actually, BMW, not, if you, not if you. BMW is doing really well. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, interesting one. That's a, that's a great example of how the money speaks, people. Manufacturers, it's all about Definitely. value. And at the end of the day, we know it does not cost a lot to build a car, especially when they're all basically built on the same platform. Like the mm-hmm. C-Class, the E-Class, they're all built on the same platform. So all you're doing is putting a new shell on top. Um, so, and, I mean, for example, as we said last, last podcast, Honda, I reckon this is going to be near, the near death of them in Australia. Because, like, why mm. would I go and spend nearly 60 grand on a Civic. And there's only one That's model of there's only one model of Civic. They're not doing entry level. You can only get the top level now. That's the only one they have. Why would well, I you can, well, for ten grand for 10 grand more you can get a base model three. Exactly. 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 Crazy. So this is it. Um oh talking about model three. This is a bit of the mm. end of the podcast where we get a bit wild. Um I think I might buy one. See I don't know if you will. I had. A, I don't know if you will. You've been ragging on them for a while. What's changed? Okay, look. Okay, so last week I drove the M4 a couple of times, the old mm. shape M4. I wanted to see what it was like. Phenomenal car. It roars, it shouts, it screams. It's brilliant. I fell in love. I was like obsessed with it. Another mm. big thank you to Sylvania BMW. Um, actually, I hope not. Well, anyway, we'll gloss over that. I went into the Tesla Model 3 and I'm like, it's faster, more technologically advanced, no servicing, can get a brand new for under 100K for a fast one. Yeah. The interest rate, if I get a loan, the interest rates are so low. Two point something, it's 1.9, that's crazy. Ridiculous. I order the car now, it takes nine months to come. I can cancel any time up until seven days before it arrives and I only lose a $340 deposit. But I was also, but I was thinking about this though. We've clearly mentioned Tesla many a time. How has my opinion changed? Because I keep changing my mind on what I think of the car. Have I said that I don't like it or I do like it? Because I keep forgetting. I'm, I'm. It's not that you don't like it, but you feel that it wouldn't be. It's not. Um, you feel that it, it is not a well-made car, and therefore yeah. not worth the money. Did you write notes on what I said, or did you just? Well, I've got a good memory. Oh, because I just keep forgetting. I, that's the issue with me. If someone asks me an opinion on a car, it will change. That's my issue. That's well, okay. It's okay to change your opinion. Is that okay? Based on new information. As Is long as you've okay? got new information. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Is it? Well, as okay. long as you've got rationale for it, sure. I don't know if I have a lot of rationale, Dan, but I just keep changing my mind. I don't know. So I've got, it, I've got the Tesla again this week. I'm getting it tomorrow. Just have it this will be the decider. Like. I feel like it is. Like I feel like after this drive, I'm either going to do it or not. But if I get it, I'm going to go full yep. black on black on black, like full black it out. You go That's full stealth. Full stealth because I don't think it looks good. I don't think it's a very pretty car. 
So I needed to look mean. Mean, yeah. The next iteration I think will be nice. The model, it's kind of it's a bit long in the tooth at the moment. Is it worth waiting for the next? Uh, if I've sh I don't even know if there's a design refresh in the rumors in the rumor mill, but um, yeah. Well, technically, it's been refreshed. Like the inside's a bit newer, but with Tesla's, yeah, but... I don't know. Like they have not ever replaced. I mean, besides the Roadster, which still hasn't come, they've never refreshed no. the car properly. Like it's always the same. Like the tel excuse me, <coughs> I'm very sick. I think I've mentioned that a few times tonight. The Model S has been around since 2013. For nearly 10 years. Yeah, come on. You, you can't have a 10... No, no. You can't buy a car that's got a 10-year-old exterior. Although, credit that it's still... We're not saying it looks terrible. It's just that ah, it looks a bit old. And fair enough, it is a bit old. So well, credit to them, I guess. Credit to well, the original design. Question. If there's an electric Mazda MX-5, would you buy one? Yes. I made this decision the other day. Um, I was, oh yeah, I was driving along and, uh, yeah, I'd absolutely buy one. The only thing that would stop me from buying it, it's not the sound, it's not the power. The only thing would be that I absolutely love driving manual car. That's the only thing that's going to stop me. That's true. So, oh, I don't know. It's tough. Um, so yeah, sounds no problem. I'm like driving, like it'll be nice and smooth. It'd be quick. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. all great things but yeah. i love driving a manual so i don't know what to do i, I don't know what to do there Let's see, i don't is... know whether to like yeah there you go so say so i don't know whether to like i'm more than happy to have a you know family car suv sedan whatever as electric but i feel like the day that i have to give away the the manual gearbox in a sports car yeah it's gonna be sad because it's clicky and mechanical not, not, you know, not hanging on to the, oh, I've got to have this big like V8 at the back, at the back screaming at me. No, not interested in that. But the clicky mechanical feel, connected feel to the car and just the going through the motion of, you know, the clutch and the gears. It's a lot of fun. I like it. Coming up to a roundabout, drop it into third, go around. It's great. See, this is the problem that car people are going to have to face because I've already, Definitely. I think we both experienced this as car people. Mm. For example, when I was in the M4, I was driving it around, going through the gears. It was sounded phenomenal, like such a great experience. Like the speed was great. But then in the back of my mind, I'm I know it's not as fast as the Tesla. I just know it's not. Yeah. On paper, it is not, it's not as fast. I was like, why does it why does all the noise and all the drama matter to me? If I just want speed, yeah. then there's a solution that it's much cheaper. So I think there's going to be a point where we're like, do we enjoy the vibrations, the sound, the revving for nostalgia? Is it just uh, like what actually matters to us? Because it's not better. It's objectively not better. As in, no. in like, as you say, the vibration and the noise, and it's objectively not better. The pollution, it's objectively not better. No, like for but example, your car going, yeah. going through the gears is not as good as a manual car, as, as an automatic car. It's not. It's flawed. Yeah, totally. But I love it. Weird. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very baffled by this because I don't know how we're going to feel. For again, ninety percent of the people who aren't car people will not care at all. As I said, electric cars but, will be a perfect experience for them. But for yeah. people that are making the leap, which I'm considering doing, I'm like what actually matters 
I feel like, I don't know. Like I said, if we had a world without internal combustion cars and everything was electric, but everything was super fast, would that fulfill our car? Would that fulfill our needs? Would that be enough? I don't think so. Don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Speed's not the be all and end all. It's great as a party trick, but it's not the be all and end all. Well, I think that's what we said about the Tesla, right? We gave it a f- yeah. few smashes. I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then after a while, you're like, oh. Like, remember when we were driving it back around the suburbs and we were kind of like, it's still nice to drive. It's, it's still nice, totally fine. But yeah. once you get over the, you know, the pedal bashing, I hope that isn't a slur. Pushing the pedal down hard on the floor. You kind of just, <laughs> you just kind of go, it's just a car. Like it just feels like a white, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll have to read, I'll see what it's like again tomorrow. Um, Something to ponder on. Anyway, just looking at the time, we're going to have to wrap up because there was one more topic we were going to bring up, which was, which we can't discuss, but we'll give a sneak peek. Hopefully we'll remember is the Volvo mm. report. I don't even know what you're talking about. So, okay. I'll give you a quick snapshot. Volvo sells the XC40, which is a compact SUV. Mm. Hold on, is it XC40 or XC30? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on. Oh, yeah, the XC40, right? So small SUV. On the same production line, they sell a internal combustion one and a pet, an electric one. They did a report to find out how environmentally friendly the XC40 recharges compared to the petrol one. The reports were like awful. It was like you have to drive the Volvo electric over a hundred thousand kilometers or more in order to see the environmental benefit over the petrol one. Oh dear. Because of all the energy and waste that goes into the manufacturing of the batteries. And we were like, hmm. So excluding the fact, so this doesn't take into the, into a fa- into account how you charge your car. Because again, your electric car is only as green as the power, which is only as, as clean as the source in which the power, you know, if it comes from a coal-fired power station or solar panels. But from this report, from what, I, what I've read, it's not as clean, it's not as clear-cut as you think at this stage. Like if you buy an electric mm. car, you're not automatically reducing your carbon footprint. If anything, if you have like a 15-year-old Mustang or... Um, you know, a Mazda MX-5 or what have you, that's already been built, then it's already done its environmental damage. And if you're only driving mm. at 10,000 kilometers a year or less, it actually makes more sense to hold on to the older car that's less efficient, less clean and green than buying a brand new Tesla. I think there's also a question about, about you know, in the coming years, as, um, as people start to sell or they start to get, um, you know, written off, yeah. where are all these batteries going to go? They're all going to go into landfill. It's not good. Well, but that's yeah. this topic for next week. Fair enough. All the week after. All the week after, if we remember. Um, anyway, lovely chatting. Yes, very good, my friend. Very enjoyable as always. And um, yeah, until next time.